the founder of this company 10 years ago was trying to sell his house and went through real estate agent after real estate agent, and they were all talking a great game. And this guy who is selling his house, the founder of this, uh, this company, he's, you know, he's kind of an important guy and kind of, you know, should get the best treatment. And he said to his wife, if this is what it's like for us, how do people who have no clout ever get around this? So he started a company, and it went into business, I think, three years ago. Their deal is, their word is their bond. And they are just like you. Now, how can I say that? Because I'm the founder of the company. We have a thousand agents across the country and they are people that listen to this show. And so when you go through real estate agents, I trust it's sent to somebody who already, you already know their sensibilities. They already are cut from exactly the same cloth. There's gotta be a better way. There is real estate agents. I trust.com. And go for Mike Slater in three. Two, one. You're listening to Mike Slater, part of the next generation of talk radio, only on the Blaze Radio Network. Mike, good morning. It's great to be with you. Sorry about that. How are you, Slater Crusaders? America's the greatest country in the world. I want to uh, play for you an interview we did with Ted Cruz just a couple days ago. Uh, we talked earlier about why he's spending so much time here in California. He's going to put it all in California, really. Um, we have the most delegates here, 172. Um, just San Diego County has 15 delegates, which is as many as like Delaware. Um, and we vote last. June 7th put 70% of our votes in California, our mail-in ballots, which we can talk about another day, the disaster that that is, but uh, just the voter fraud rampant. But um, And you combine that with automatic registration, which is what we're going to have next, and then it's just a free-for-all. But 70% of ballots uh, are mail-in, so, and those go out May 10th. So Cruz's campaign is going to hit California hard. They already have. It started with our interview on Monday, uh, and I was able to introduce him at his rally on Monday here, and you can check out that interview or that uh, speech at our Facebook page. Search for the Mike Slater Show on Facebook. But I thought the interview was good. I thought it was enjoyable. I, I want to play it for you here, see what you think about it. Uh, here you go. Senator, welcome to San Diego. Mike, good morning. It's great to be with you. Well, it's uh, wonderful to talk to you as well. You're going to be with a lot of great people tonight. I am very much looking forward to it. So uh, our time is limited here, sir. I know you're about to step on stage in a couple minutes up in Irvine. Uh, I hope we can talk on the radio again. But i got a couple questions for you. First, absolutely, Alan Dershowitz, your Harvard uh, law professor, as far left as a, of a professor as you can get, said that, <laughs> said that you are off the charts brilliant and one of the smartest students he's ever had in 50 years of teaching at Harvard Law School. I have no question. I just want your reaction to that. <laughs> well, it, it was very, very kind of him to say that. Uh, you know, I had him as my, as my professor in law school, and, and I'll say he and I became friends uh, in most part because, because we, would, uh, we, we would disagree, and we would disagree civilly. But he would, uh, in criminal law class, he, he would get up and start uh, bashing Justice Scalia, or bashing Justice Thomas, uh, d- disagreeing with some opinion that that, that they wrote, and and uh, that that would kind of um, get, get my ire up, and I'd raise my hand, and he and I would go back and forth and back and forth at it, and and I think I think we grew to to, to like and respect each other, although we have very very different views. And you did that against your professor, who also at the time was Alan Dershowitz, right? I mean, like he was already that name, <laughs> and you had no qualms sure. doing that, and he controlled your grade. 
Uh, well, he he did, and uh, and and often we'd go back to his office afterwards and continue continue the really? discussion for another half hour, hour afterwards. No and it, uh, you know, he he was he was a great teacher because he liked to press you, and it was interesting. He was he was a teacher who was particularly uh, he he did not like what he viewed as as weak minded liberals as as someone who would stand up and just take the liberal position, but when asked to explain it, couldn't do it, hmm. and and. You know, Dersh would hit him pretty hard and say, "Look, you know, you know." So someone would say, "Well, I just feel that's right," and 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 it was almost like a scene out of the paper chase where 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 Dersh would say, "Oh, you feel, do you? You're emoting." <laughs> wow. I, I thought we were in law school. I'm sorry, I didn't understand. And and it was it, it was a wonderful process to really learn to to think critically. And and if you have a position, not just to throw it out there and and say because that's what I want it to be, but but to defend what you believe based on reason and, and law and facts and, and evidence. And I think that's that's a powerful skill uh, in life. Are you frustrated that it seems like in our culture today, it's all about emotion. It's all about what I feel is right. Jerry Brown just the other day said, he said when he raised the minimum wage to $15 an hour, he said, I know that this doesn't make economic sense. Senator, it's all about what feels good today. <laughs> well, look. We're going to do a couple stop and goes here. I apologize for this. Only, only a few. Um, because I know there's a, a Trump supporters listening now who say, Slater, I can't believe you asked him such a softball question to kick it off. Um, I did that for a few reasons. First of all, Alan Dershowitz did say he's off the charts brilliant. I think that's remarkable. Um, Ted Cruz wrote a, two years ago, Ted Cruz wrote a 29-page essay in the Harvard Law Review about the limits of the treaty power in the Constitution. Just because, like, I think... Who's that essay for? Like, who, who reads the Harvard Law Review? No one reads that. I tried to read it. It's excruciatingly boring. There's 181 footnotes. It's a scholarly law review article. Why did he write that? Was he bored? He was a new senator. It was January 2014. Like, what, what? I, I don't get that. He had nothing else to do. Who does that? He's off the charts brilliant. I would argue he's one of the most brilliant um, people to ever run for president. Does that make him automatically qualified no 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 certainly not please don't get me wrong but um i wanted to ask him that because i wanted to hear what his reaction would be i wanted to hear i wanted to sense sense his humility um if he was not a humble person then uh or if someone was not a humble person and i and i asked a question like that then they would say well mike i'm glad you brought that up you know i did graduate summa cum laude from princeton and then i went into harvard and i was one of the top recruits at harvard law and gosh golly i was smart right like that that's that's a prideful person ted cruz said he he, t- he went right off in alan dershowitz he didn't talk about himself he went right off in alan dershowitz i think that's a that's a good sign for humility that's why i asked it when I interviewed Trump for 90 minutes, my first question was all about his big buildings and how he transformed New York City. When we talked to Ben Carson, my first question was, how are you the one of the greatest surgeons of all time? Right. So it wasn't kissing butt. It was like I'm genuinely interested in these people who in their fields are some of the best ever, just objectively. Politics aside. All right. Continue on. Well, look, you know, that quote from Jerry Brown, it's, it's one of the very few times when I'm willing to say, I agree with Jerry Brown. Yep. It doesn't make economic sense. The, the, the actions of the liberal Democrats in, in California is once again going to hurt the most vulnerable. Every time you raise the minimum wage, you, every single time you see low-income individuals losing their jobs, it's typically 
teenage Hispanics, teenage African Americans, people just starting to climb the economic ladder. You know, Mike, I think from the perspective of my dad, in, in 1957, my dad fled Cuba. He'd been in prison. He'd been tortured in Cuba. And, and when he came to America, he was just 18. He couldn't speak English. And his first job was washing dishes, making 50 cents an hour. Now, the reason he, he got that job is because he couldn't speak English, and you didn't have to speak English to wash a dish. But if some liberal politician had come up then and, and raised the minimum wage to $2 an hour, what they would have done is they would have fired my dad and bought a dishwasher. <laughs> and if my dad doesn't get that first job, he doesn't get his second job as a cook making 80 cents an hour. He doesn't get his third job as a teaching assistant teaching math at University of Texas. He doesn't get his next job as a computer programmer at IBM. And he doesn't get to start a business with my mom, a small family business, and then go on today to be a pastor. It's those first rungs of the economic ladder are so critical. And I'll tell you, the reason I'm running for president is to bring back jobs and economic opportunity for those who are struggling to make it easier to achieve the American dream. So everything you just said makes obvious, and everyone here right with you, 100% economic sense, reason. If you were arguing that with Alan Dershowitz, I think he would even have to agree with you at the end. But it doesn't hit the emotional triggers for some reason. And not even talking about minimum wage, but just topics in general. And I think this ties into Donald Trump in many ways, too. But it just hits the emotional triggers without um, – or excuse me, it just hits the logic and the reason without hitting the emotion. How can you hit the emotional side as well? I, I, let me – one more thing here. Sure, um, sure. Arthur C. Brooks, I'm sure you know him. Yeah. He says um, it's frustrating when conservatives make arguments just based on reason and logic. And we don't use emotion because we think emotion is what the left does. And if we use yeah. that, then we're cheating. So how can you use emotion as well? You are exactly right. And, and, and typically Democrats argue from the heart and Republicans argue from the head. What is most effective is to do both, to argue from logic and reason, but also connect it to why you care. It's Look, when we were talking about the minimum wage, I didn't bring out the Bureau of Labor Statistics data on – African-American teenagers losing their job. I talked about my dad at 18 not being able to feed his kids, not being able to pay his way through school. It, these are, are real issues. They're not abstract numbers. Yeah. People are hurting right now under the Obama economy. There are single moms all across the state of California working two and three part-time jobs because their hours have been forced to 28, 29 hours a week because of the disaster that is Obamacare, because Obamacare kicks in at 30 hours a week. They're real people who are hurting. That's what this election is about, is that the Obama-Clinton economy doesn't work. It is a failure, and when it doesn't work, you know, you mentioned Arthur Brooks. Arthur Brooks has a wonderful new book, The Conservative Party, talks about, you know, the biggest reason you want people to work, yes, you want them to be able to earn money, but, but fundamentally, when you work, when you have a productive job, it gives you dignity. It gives you self-respect. When you come home and look at your kids and you're providing for your kids, that meaningful work is powerful for happiness. And we've got the lowest percentage of Americans working today of any year since 1977. The Obama-Clinton economy doesn't work. And the reason I'm running for president is to fight for those people who are struggling to, to help give them the opportunity to have the dignity of work, to be able to provide for their kids, to have a better life and a better future. I love it. I love it. Dignity of work is something that's not talked about anymore. It's almost perceived like work is a necessary evil that we're trying to move past as opposed to something that's imperative for, um, for, for your self-esteem. 
Um, every every one of us was created for a productive purpose, not simply to sit around watching Gilligan's Island, but to do something meaningful and hopefully to make a difference in this world, make a difference in the lives uh, uh, of our fellow men and women. Uh, General Stanley McChrystal, former general, mm-hmm. retired. His favorite interview question. Can you, first of all, guys, can you grab that clip uh, right there, right, when he's talking about dignity and the importance of that? Um, what Ted Cruz just said right there is going to be one of the most important arguments to make in the next four years. I'll explain why in, in a segment coming up here. Um, the short of it is, when we, the, the left's big thing is going to be guaranteed minimum income. And it's going to be about moving past work. Like I said, work is seen as a necessary evil that we need to move beyond. Um, conservatives, it's going to be up to conservatives to make the argument that work is important. Work is necessary. Meaningful work is one of the main drivers of fulfillment and happiness. It's not, it doesn't define your worth as a human. Don't get me wrong. But it does have a lot to do with your dignity. I, I want to talk more about that coming up. Um, and I think what Ted Cruz did there is is, is really smart. Um, we'll play more coming up. I asked him about a Drudge Report, which made uh, national news. And we talk. Um, oh, gosh. What was the other important thing? Well, I forget. You'll hear it in a second. 1-888-933-93. Mike Slater. So the Blaze Radio Network. Spread the word. This is Mike Slater on the Blaze Radio Network. The founder of this company 10 years ago was trying to sell his house and went through real estate agent after real estate agent, and they were all talking a great game. And this guy who is selling his house, the founder of this, uh, this company, he's, you know, he's kind of an important guy and kind of, you know, should get the best treatment. And he said to his wife, if this is what it's like for us, how do people who have no clout ever get around this? So he started a company. And it went into business, I think, three years ago. Their deal is, their word is their bond. And they are just like you. Now, how can I say that? Because I'm the founder of the company. We have a 1,000 agents across the country, and they are people that listen to this show. And so when you go through real estate agents I trust, it's sent to somebody who already, you already know their sensibilities. They already are cut from exactly the same cloth. There's got to be a better way. There is. Real estate agents, I trust.com. 